Welcome to the Insiders, our second edition of the show brought to you by GoPowerCat and our usual cast. I'm not doing the big introductions today. It's old hat now. We got Brian Hanley to my, what is it, the left or my right? I don't know. I don't even know. He's to my side. <laughs> Keeping me as far away from me as possible is Tim Everson. I barely let our corners touch. In fact, I wish I had something to block that yeah, so that Everson couldn't be next to me. And, of course, our friend Glenn Kenley, who uh, left his computer, threw his computer away. This is the rumor on the street. Yeah. So he didn't have the fan noise, and he's on his phone this week, and he mm -hmm. looks like a giant looking down upon us <laughs> in full judgment. And that's I punted, all right. I punted the laptop into the street. Yes, that's nice. all right. We need a little judgment now and then. <laughs> well, boys, Kansas State wins 42-13. Um, I, I got to admit, I – I thought it'd be closer, but it felt closer. I mean, that was a good Troy team. Um, and let's just start off, Brian. Brian, give me your overall thoughts on that game. Yeah, the game felt closer. Uh, people will get confused with Troy. Although, I will admit, a lot of the national pundits actually said that this was a good win by K-State. Even though I'm sure they didn't watch the game, they saw the final score because they understood that Troy has a good football team. They got several guys that can play Power 5 football uh, that are on their roster. A lot of transfers that were playing Power 5 football. Uh, Troy's a good football team, and Kansas State, uh, it wasn't a blowout. Like, the final score wasn't really indicative, but I never thought that K-State wasn't in control. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. I, I didn't think they weren't in control, and when they needed to put their foot down, they put their foot down. Yeah, they did that. Tim Everson, thoughts? Yeah, I think it was kind of what Will Howard said after the game. It was kind of a game they needed. They needed to face some adversity. Uh, but you don't want to do it the ugly way. You don't want to do it the no. winning by, by three at home, you know, to feel good about a nice, you know, almost 30-point win, but then also have a, a good amount of things to work on. I think just like last week, it's ex kind of exactly what the coaches were hoping for, and on to the next one. Glenn? Yeah, it feels like there's kind of two ways to look at it, right? On one hand, you could say there were moments in that game where you say, we're going to have to play a lot better than this to win Big 12 football games. And then on the opposite side of that, you could say, we really didn't play very well and won right. by 29 points. So imagine what happens if they do play well, right? So it's kind of which way do you look at it. But like Tim said, I think that you, you almost – every team kind of needs that wake-up call at some point in the season. And if you can get the wake-up call and still win by 29, that, that's a pretty good Saturday. Yes, yeah. indeed. Yes, indeed. Brian Hanley, um, this is unfortunately going to be a weekly question until they get it solved. What's going on with this offensive line? I know they're shuffled around a little bit. They're missing a starter, but they continue to struggle a little bit. Well, the one thing is, and I know we've talked about it extensively, Fitz, is having an offensive line and having them be cohesive as a group. That means a lot. Yeah. And I know they're shuffling guys around. At some point, you got to stop that. At some point, you got, okay, this is where you're playing, and that's it. And, and maybe they'll do that after this week. And I get it. First couple of games, feeling out. Uh, you want to move guys around, get them some experience playing other positions. So if an injury happens, but we got we just got to get with a starting group and these are the guys that are going to play. And look, I'm sorry, offensive line is one of those positions where you don't have a lot of subs. You're not subbing guys in and out on the offensive line. That's not how a good offensive line works. You might have a guy miss a series, maybe, 
maybe, but that's usually not how offensive line works. So feeling out process right now, I'm going to give them another pass, but this week it, it's time to put up or shut up because you're right. It, it wasn't a great look out there this week. Yes, indeed. It, uh, they struggled at times, but in, you know, to give them due credit, Tim, that Troy defense was good. I mean, they were athletic, yeah. they were physical, they were flying around. Um, I just didn't expect Casey to have that level of trouble running the ball. Yeah, it, it was weird. I know people, I don't know, I, I, my coworker and, and, and fellow reporter Zach was was tweeting out some things during the game about uh, the struggles that Casey had, and except for kind of six big chunk plays, it was it was a struggle. Uh, it was, I think, if you took those six out, they were averaging like around two yards a carry, which for K-State, you just can't have that because that's kind of the, the foundation that the offense is built on. Get get four or five yards on first down and then kind of figure it out. Uh, but, you know, I mean, they still found a way to work it out. But Troy, their, their line, they, I, I think it's good that they've, they've, they've seen that now because they're going to be comparable, I think, to a lot of, of of the teams that K State is going to have to face now, there there's some dudes on there. Yep. Yeah, they had some guy. One thing that I noticed though is the first ten snaps of the football game, Troy had seven guys at the line of scrimmage and they blitzed, so they were taking the run away from K State and say you're not going to run this football. Now we can say the offensive line should have still blocked guys, but if they're bringing more than what you can block, somebody's free. And the difference is Troy; those guys were making the tackle. You know, there's a lot of yeah. times where guys won't make the tackle and things look good, but they weren't missing tackles. And that's kind of the same thing that Tulane did last year is that they put a bunch of guys up there, say you're not going to run it, and they made the tackles. So a lot of that, you know, was scheme-wise, and then, you know, sometimes you just have to throw the football. Glenn, thoughts on this Troy defense and the problems yeah. at UK State? Well, I think that when you talk about the offensive line, that's probably the, the group that none of us expected to to come out of the gate slowly. Um, but it's also probably the group that maybe K State fans should have the most trust in, in Connor Riley and, and his group that they're that they're going to get it figured out uh, because they tend to to get it figured out and have it figured out each year. Um, I think uh, Troy Troy has some really athletic players, and besides the old line, I think maybe there's still some some growing pains in figuring out the two running back system. You don't have just give the ball to Deuce Vaughn. Um, and so I think there's probably still some figuring out of what plays work for which running backs and when do we want both running backs on the field or this running back on the field or which receivers on the field. So there's some growing pains there in that offense. Um, but, you know, that's good and great. But uh, now you get an SEC opponent and you, you don't have much room for growing pains anymore. Okay. Let's turn our attention to Will Howard. Um, and at the end of the day, his stats looked fine. Uh, but boy, Brian, he was forcing it in some places. Um, he had an interception on a ball that just shouldn't have been thrown. He he wasn't really progressing through his reads, and he admitted to all of that in the post game press conference. He said it yeah. wasn't my best performance. I was forcing things. Uh, any w- reason for concern about Will Howard? I don't think there's a reason for concern. I, I think it was just what you said. I think he was just forcing things. Sometimes when you have a lot of success, you think you're Superman. And you can do anything, and no matter what happens, it's going to work out. Well, sometimes you got to be humbled a little bit and say, you know what? Everything that I do doesn't touch, or everything that I touch doesn't turn to gold. And that was a little bit of what happened on Saturday. 
is that everything that he was doing, it didn't work. Uh, now, I'm not saying he had a horrible football game because that's clearly not yeah. the case. But at the same time, it's not necessarily the Will Howard that we're, that we're used to. So I think he goes back, digs in a little bit, and, and sees what he did wrong and understands, you know what, I, I just have to be good. You know, and take what they're giving me. If they're giving me the underneath route, just take it. If they're giving me the check down, just take it. And I think he was trying to force some stuff. And some of that can also be because maybe we didn't score as many points as, as what they thought they should have scored as quickly. I mean, they're still kids. We got to remember that. And they're still impressionable. So that stuff matters. Well, luckily we have the Superman of print journalism here with us. Um, <laughs> Tim Everson, any any thought on the quarterback play? And they only played Will Howard. Nobody came in at the end of the game. What are your overall thoughts? I think that uh, one of the biggest things that you can kind of look at, Ben Sennett has been such a security blanket for Will whenever he's kind of gotten himself into positions that he shouldn't have gotten himself into and give Troy all the credit in the world. They locked Ben down for the entire game. They took Ben Sennett away, which left things open for other guys like Jaden Johnson, Jaden Jackson and, and, and stuff like that. But I think that took Will a while to kind of get used to as like, Hey, this is my most reliable target isn't out there. I got to trust these other guys to kind of get something else rolling. And then once he did that, especially in the second half, he, he looked much, much better. But it took a little while, I think, for him to adjust uh, to, to not having been out there. That's a great point. And they talked about it in the postgame, Glenn. They were yelling out 34, you know, who's got him? With, you know, they right. they were well of Ben Sennett. I think this might be the first team that came in with Ben Sennett as the featured player on the scout, and that's very interesting. And it's not going to be the last team that comes no. in with that, right? Because they realize the effect that it has of shutting him down. Correct me if I'm wrong, he had – five receiving yards, maybe less than that. Yeah, I think he had one catch, yeah. I think yeah. he had one catch. The number of games that Kansas State wins with Ben Sennett having one catch this year might be one. They're, they're not. It's not going to happen very often. They're going to need him in that offense. They're going to need him and Will to connect. I'm not too worried about Will. The, what I saw that concerned me a little bit is it, it felt like his first three or four, or maybe four of his first five targets to R.J. Garcia missed. Um, I think one of them was the pick. And I don't know if there was a disconnect there, if that was a – that he, he and RJ have had a couple home run balls and, and Will was the first to say in the post game that he got away with some stuff against SEMO. And I think there were a few uh, like that big 12 championship catch that RJ made where Will thought I can put it in the perfect spot where, where he's in double or triple coverage and RJ is going to get it. And that didn't happen. And uh, to your point, Brian, I think he's got to realize if we can get a touchdown on this drive and our longest play is six yards, but we, we get six points at the end. It, it don't matter if we don't hit the home run to RJ on the deep ball. And I think he understands that. And I think that's maybe the most reassuring part of this for K-State fans is that their quarterback, probably 20 minutes after the game ended, if that, he could have told you exactly what he did right and what he did wrong on every play. And yep. and that's pretty positive. And then uh, if we're talking about the offense, uh, I don't know, maybe we're going to get into this next, but you get Keegan Johnson back in that second half, and he looked pretty good. Brian, did they – look, I, Keegan Johnson's nursing an injury. We're suspecting it's a hamstring, which is what got him into issues at Iowa. He kept blowing that hammy. Um, they were probably just being cautious with him. But did they come out of halftime saying, we got to get Will another weapon? Yep, absolutely. I just think they thought, you know, we got to get the, the offense going. We got to get moving here. 
um, and not have this turn into a situation. I still don't think they opened up the offense like, you know, what we're going to see down the road. I'm still not positive that that happened. Matter of fact, I am positive that they just didn't open it up. Having said that, I, I just they had to get the offense moving. They had to get it moving. They had to give them another weapon. They had to get somebody else out there. Uh, and they probably had a conversation with Will and just said, hey, yes, we're going to get you somebody else. We're going to get this offense moving. We're going to open it up a little bit, but don't force anything. Get them the football and let's go. Tim Everson, um, I feel like there's a lot more to be gained or to be found in this passing game. Um, they're still kind of feeling the way. No Cade Warner, you know, no Malik Knowles. They take away Ben Sennett. I feel like he just had a he was in a position where he was uh trying to learn his way when someone defends a different way than they had. Yeah, I think for these receivers are also still kind of trying to find their their role within the offense. I mean, last year, I feel like Malik's role was fairly clearly defined, Cade's role was clearly defined. Philip is adjusting to kind of being that that the guy right now, at least until Keegan kind of comes back as in full uh, in full go. RJ is still getting used to you know playing full f- football games. He talked about that after Semo. That was the first full football game that he he had played aside from the the Sugar Bowl and a, a, a long time. And so I think that will as 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 Will gets more used to them and they kind of get used to where they fit within the offense. That's only going, I have to imagine is only going to improve as things continue. Yeah. Uh, Glenn, you're, you're popping a little bit on your mic, but before, uh, um, before we move on to another topic, any reason concern for concern with this K-State offense? I, I don't want to say there's not any, I wouldn't say that I am concerned, um, okay. but on the same note, there were times where, I don't know how many, how many to the exact number, but there were times where they, they just seemed to couldn't get anything going. And, and while Troy was a good football team and, and I, like you said, had a good defensive front, they're going to play better defenses than that. Um, so I, I, if that makes any sense at all, I wouldn't say I'm concerned, but I don't think there is zero reason for concern. I, I think we'll probably get an even better test this week. And I think that going through that before you get to Mizzou, going through those bumps in the road and ironing out a few things and, and finding out that we can get Philip Brooks for for 100 whatever yards that he had, those things were probably good to go through um, before we got to to Mizzou. Yep, I would agree with all that. Tim, are you going to Missouri? I am. Are you too young to have ever been to Missouri? This will be the first time at at Faroe Field, so I'm very mm-hmm. excited. Brian, you want to inform him about Missouri fans? <laughs> you know what? I'm not going to do that. Okay. I'm just going to let him <laughs> take in the day himself. I'm not going to – I don't, I don't want to ruin it for him. Oh, I don't want to ruin it for him. The surprise. Will, that's right. I will let him endure it. I've been there. Um, I'll just say it's an experience. That's what I'll say. I'll say it's an experience. <laughs> it's delightful. You know, all, all kidding aside with the rivalry, it is a, a good venue. Uh, I'm glad they finally sold a game yeah. out for the first time in five years. I'm I'm impressed. Um, took K State to do it, and um, mm-hmm. but uh, it it will be a really good road test. I mean that they're, they're going to be getting after it quite a bit during the course of this game. Yeah, they're, they're, their fans are 
wild. Um, I just remember, and this was back in 1998. They were insane. And they come after you. They don't let up. They were good then. Uh, the game was close. So it's just it, things are a lot different now. Yeah, they're a lot different now. They're even more rambunctious. Uh, it's a fun atmosphere, but it's it's a wild, rambunctious atmosphere. But you know what? It should be that way. Right. It's college football. It's college football. If you can't be wild or rambunctious, let's just take it for what it is. Half the student section is drunk. Even if the game's at 11 o'clock, that doesn't matter. You know, so it is what it is, man. It's fun. It's fun. And it might be the one day. It's a great day for the state of Kansas, right? It might be the one day where Jayhawk fans are rooting for Kansas State, I think. They hate Mizzou so much. I saw there was a KU account that posted, like, this is this week. Instead of, uh, you know, KU hate week, K-State hate week, this was K-State love week because they want Mizzou to lose so bad. So everybody in Kansas can unite for this one week as they uh, as they go play Mizzou. This game kind of scares me because it makes sense for Kansas State to go in there and win by a touchdown or two. I think K-State just didn't look great and still won by tw- by 29 or whatever it was. Mizzou looked really bad against a, a not great opponent. So it makes all the sense for K-State to go in there and take it to them. And that's why it scares me because <laughs> sports don't make sense. Whatever, everything points to one way, it's the things go the opposite way. You got it. Tim, uh, comparative scoring will get you into trouble. K-State handled a really good Troy team. Missouri struggled at times with Middle Tennessee State. It doesn't mean a damn thing, does it? No. And with the talent that they have at receiver and with a secondary that's still kind of piecing piecing itself together. They looked pretty good last week, but there were still, you know, they had some trouble with some taller, lankier guys that can make big plays, and Mizzou has a couple of those that are difference makers. Uh, and then the fact that, you know, Mizzou's going to be desperate to win this. Mm-hmm. They were embarrassed in a mm-hmm. capital, capital E embarrassed last year. Uh, and I you know, they are going to be, if they aren't the most focused, then it, it may be the last, uh, the last one of one of the last several games in, in Columbia for a certain head coach. Who's yeah, named, I, I agree, I Brian. Mention. They should be so motivated after what happened in Manhattan last year. But I get a sense that he's a coach that will play that up, play that up. But it doesn't seem like the team's bought into everything he says. I don't know. I, I know we've talked and a lot of people have talked, not just us. I'm just not sure he's the guy. We'll find out as the season goes on. But the bottom line is every Mizzou fan that I know says this is the biggest game that they've had in the last five years. And that includes SEC games that they had because I think those SEC games, they didn't feel like they could win. You know, they thought they were going to lose, you know, Alabama come to town and and LSU, all these teams come to town. I don't think they really thought that they can win. They think they can win this football game. So they're calling it the biggest home game that they've had in the last five years. So we'll see. Um, they have a ton of talent, uh, but it's you're right, Fitz. I'm just not sure the team is just all the way bought in, which is crazy to me because they keep going to Mizzou. All these talented kids keep yeah. going, and then it's like you're not bought in. I'm like, what are we doing here? So Yeah, you bring up recruiting, Brian. I think this is a big game for recruiting. How many kids from KC end up getting offers from 
Kansas State and from Missouri. And we talk about K-State and KU always being a big game for recruiting for the state of Kansas. But for that Kansas City metro area, this is a big game for recruiting. And if yeah. K-State can go in there and get a win and do it handily, to me, that's a pretty good selling point for Chris Kleiman if the kids choose it between those two schools and, and Kleiman can say we beat them by 30 back-to-back years and the second year was in their place. Yeah, I also exactly. think it's notable that I don't think these staffs like each other very much. Nope. No. That, no. that part I know. No, they don't. <laughs> they don't like each other, and I don't think the ending of last year's game helped that at all. Uh, when you try to score on the last play, <laughs> that was just – it was kind of – it. You know, they were trying to make a point. We played through the final whistle. I get that, but it came across as pathetic, Brian. Yeah, it, it was. It, it, I mean, let's just call it what it is. It was pathetic, um, but whatever. I mean, if you, I could see if there was a minute left and you're trying to build a little bit of momentum for the next week and say, hey, guys, you know, we fought to the end. When it's the last second, and, what, and if I can remember, my memory serves me correct, I think there was a penalty they, because I think K-State had stopped them, and then there was a down. penalty that – get yeah, it was an untimed down to give them the extra play. I'm like – And they had to use on. timeout. Correct yeah, it's, it was nuts. I'm just like, come <laughs> on, man. What, what are you doing? Okay, so we're, we're more than 10 years past the departure of Mizzou to the SEC. We all recognize they make more money financially by being in the SEC – but is the fact that this game with the old rival is so important, so vital to their program, just clear evidence that walking away from your traditional rivals wasn't best for your football or your basketball program? Um, they've had some decent years in both sports, but it just seems like Missouri hasn't been the same since going to the SEC. And it's not because the competition's better. Uh, I mean, I think that was proven last year in Manhattan. Yeah. The competition's just fine in the Big 12, and they got spanked. I, I, I just feel like this has been a tragic move for their athletic department and their fan base, all in the name of a buck. Um, I I find it hard to justify, but they get to thump their chest at their SEC even when they lose by 30. <laughs> I think we're seeing, it. It with, we're seeing it with Colorado. I mean, they're yeah. – uh, you know their their return and how excited they are, how excited their fans are to be coming back to Big Twelve. Now, granted, you know their their, their home has has burned to the ground, so I would be excited about about a new place to go to. But it, it shows the the importance and like you know that the crowd. The game wasn't super exciting because Nebraska is not there yet. But that crowd called out of Nebraska was fun. It is yeah. fun to have regional rivalries matter and be played regularly. Yep. I'll be interested to see if we get more of this where we look back and say, man, that one was fun, or I wish we had that one um, with more of these teams, with, with all the conference realignment. I mean, you're going to lose Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, right? And so does that become something where they play? I don't think Gundy has any desire to play, it sounds like. It sounds like he no. said, okay, you guys want to leave the rivalries dead. If they do end up reuniting, okay, seven years from now or whatever it is, like, do you play that game and you're like, why did we had an opportunity to play this every year? This is awesome, you know? And keep in mind, like K-State, KU, or sorry, K-State, Mizzou isn't even like a massive rivalry. They just like happen to be kind of close and they maybe don't like each other. But if you were listing like top three rivals for either school, you probably wouldn't list either one. But it's still that exciting just because of how they how close they are. Yeah. And so I, I, I it's all about money and I, I get it, I guess. Uh, but to, 
taking out reporter mode just as a fan, it bums me out. Like, I, I would love to see K-State and Nebraska play every year, right? I would love to see K-State and Mizzou play every year. It's just – and I think Oklahoma and Oklahoma State fans would love to see them play each other. Like, I don't I, – Oklahoma has a great football fan base, but I don't know that they're going to – are they going to get up for – Vanderbilt coming to town or, or whoever it is. I don't know. Yeah. I always think that's just small minded thinking is not wanting to play your rival. Look, be mad. I get it that they <laughs> left to be mad. But at the same time, you can't tell me because all schools always play. Well, I shouldn't say all schools, but most schools, one non-conference game is against a power five school. That That's what teams usually do. You're telling me that you can't – one of your Power 5 teams that you play can't be against the rival, that Oklahoma and Oklahoma State can't play, that KU and Mizzou can't play. I'm like, come on, man. What are we doing here with that? I, I just don't understand that way of thinking. And not to mention, if it's all – if it's truly about money, you, what game's going to make you yeah. more money? Yeah. Having your rival come – or playing against somebody that's flying all the way across the country to come play you. I just yeah. don't I just don't understand that. I'll never understand that. Uh, just do the I mean if it's about fans, then what do you think your fans want to see? How about that? How about we make something about the fans every now and then and play a game that they actually want to see? I, I might be in the minority that's just my way of thinking. I just think it's small minds when it comes to that, man. It's crazy. And I, w- I will be interested to see uh, if we see a change in atmosphere for some of those games. You know, when, when you take out a game against Oklahoma State and add in a game against, you know, you name it. But uh, if we see a, a change, I, I think of it like basketball. Uh, in a basketball season in the non-conference, you know, at, at a lot of schools, when they're playing a non-conference team that nobody even knew existed before that week, the place is usually empty. So do we see that with football for some of these even conference games? Because people are like, uh, I think, I think I'm good on this one. We yeah. should beat them by 30. And I've, I, I've never, I couldn't tell you what town that school is in. So I'm all right. Yep. Good point. Let's bookmark it right there. Glenn, this break for us will be four seconds, but I need it for the podcast. So don't take off your shirt. Like last week, <laughs> Don't do whatever you were doing last week. I don't know what was going on. But we will be right back on The Insiders, brought to you by GoPowerCat.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Just like that, we're back. And Tim Everson's hammering vodka. <laughs> Come out of break. <laughs> a clear liquid. I'm assuming that's what it is. It was a mixed drink. Yeah, I'm, I'm so proud yeah, of him. We're spraying the news, there. The newspaper business will do that to you. <laughs> will absolutely do that to you. Well, let's pick up that topic and take it a little further. As we move into this new version of the Big 12 next year, K-State's got some scheduling problems because uh, they're going to keep Arizona for the next two seasons as a non-conference game, even though it's a conference opponent, which is kind of weird, but I, I understand the function of it. You, you can't find another Power 5 at this late date probably. Um, I imagine they'll move Washington State up. They it's kind of they play Washington State, then they were scheduled to play Colorado twice, and then play Washington State. And kind of an oddity, maybe they'll get that compacted. But as we move forward, and you get down the road, and feelings get less sore, just like we're seeing with Missouri and Kansas State, 
Brian, what would you think about Kansas State approaching a Nebraska about a home-and-home or an Oklahoma even further down the road for a home-and-home? I doubt either one of them would do it, but if they would, how would you feel about it? I'd love it. I would absolutely love it. I mean, K-State and and Nebraska, I mean, when I first went to K-State, that was – now, granted, we hadn't beaten them in forever – but that was the game that everybody pointed to. They, they wanted to go. People enjoy driving to Nebraska to go, right. even though they sat you all the way up in the clouds. But that was the game that they enjoyed driving to go. Because, number one, you could drive and go. It wasn't, you know, five, six, seven hours to drive to go to. Uh, but I think it would be great if those two could, could play again. Oklahoma, I don't know. I, I feel like Oklahoma has moved to a place to where – they're trying to put themselves on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think they, I know you said it fits. I don't think they would be interested. Now, would I like it to happen? I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind playing OU. I, obviously, we play well against them. So I absolutely wouldn't mind playing. I just don't think they would have any interest. Now, Nebraska, they might. I, I, I really think that Nebraska might have some interest. Um, but who's to say? But would I like it? Yeah, I would. Tim, Nebraska does strike me as the more likely of the two to want to do something uh, because, again, everything we just talked about with Missouri would apply. It's not like Nebraska's having problems selling out their stadium. They still qualify to you know, say they did, even if it's a late chunk of tickets bought by a corporation at a buck apiece. <laughs> I don't know how they're doing it. But anyhow, um, I feel like Nebraska misses these games, but they will never say it out loud. They, they will never admit that going to the Big Ten injured their program by losing rivalries, losing that Texas recruiting and all those things. And I think they might decide, well, let's do engage. They're already engaging with Colorado, um, which, you know, was two former Big 12 teams when they played. But um, I feel like they might relent and come back and, and say, okay, let's do a home and home. And Colorado's a team they actually hate. So, I mean. Right. It's much more of a big brother, little brother relationship between K-State and Nebraska, as much as K-State fans don't probably don't enjoy it being described that way. But I think that with, with you just have to look at how many Nebraska fans made their way down here last weekend or two weekends ago to Morgan Family Arena and then to the soccer game mm-hmm. when it was a, a K-State-Nebraska doubleheader uh, Sunday. I think it was last Sunday. Uh there were tons. I mean, there was a noticeable amount of red at both. Um, and those are for two. And granted, volleyball is a much larger deal for, for Nebraska than it is for K-State. But still, I mean, they travel down here. I, I assume there aren't that many rabid Nebraska fans living near Manhattan, I would assume. Maybe once you get a little closer to the border. Um, but I I would love it. I would love it. I, I I think down the road, I think Oklahoma, I would enjoy. I'm not interested as far as teams that have left Big 12. I'm not interested in seeing Texas or Texas A&M again. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I don't I don't I don't need that in my life. Glenn, do these opponents, including the two he just mentioned, make incredible bowl game options? If you're a bowl game overlapping with the SEC or the Big Ten. Because let's be honest, moving the Pac-12 out of the equation, we're going to see those three conferences over and over. And if the ACC collapses, bowl games get real interesting. They're all between three Three conferences, conferences, basically. Uh, But those seem like 
ideal bowl games. I mean, how fired up would fans be if they caught an, an Oklahoma, Nebraska, even an A&M in a bowl game? Well, we have done that before in the past, but it's still very cool. No, it would be fun for sure, specifically with Nebraska. I mean, it it the fans get up for that, right? Um, we talked about the fans get up to see for K-State Mizzou. There's there's uh, no love lost between K-State and Nebraska. I think we, we figure that out in these little moments, whether it's volleyball or whether it's Adrian Martinez or whether it's uh, men's basketball play, I think, in Kansas City. Like, even when it's not a huge game, you you realize, oh, these fan bases really don't like each other. Um, and I think when there's some regionality or when – I mean, you're going to have some exciting matchups, and maybe it is in bowl games, where um, you have um, a school like – you know, an Oklahoma state or a K state uh, that plays one of these schools that decide to leave their conference. And, uh, and if that's a post game scenario, that makes it all the more fun, probably uh, circling back a little bit that I, I don't know that the Oklahoma, I think it'd be fun for K state to play Oklahoma. Uh, whether, whether that's a home and home or whatever. I don't think the Sooners would have any desire because they haven't fared very well in those matchups recently. One and two, I think they would probably see it as a, a lose lose. Um, if they win that game, nobody probably, gives them a ton of as much credit as they should um because they say the sec looks at it and says oh you, it's not an sec win and if they lose that game then you know it's just a non-conference loss so they they wouldn't want to do that but i i think it'd be i think maybe chris Kleiman would vote for it because uh he's, he's been pretty good against them one thing k-state is doing is playing nebraska in basketball and they just released before we we went live the non-conference schedule i spent about 32 seconds on this graphic, <laughs> so let's enjoy it here. I literally copied K-State's graphic and put the insiders here to fill the screen. That's how much work I put into it. Um, it lovely. I know. I know. I, I, I didn't even center it. That's how much I was rushing. Uh, let's look at this, and I love it. Emporia State is the exhibition. Uh, they they play USC. It's It's got a Hall of Fame series. I didn't even know it had an official name. Uh, that'll be out in Las Vegas. Um Brian Hanley, I've sacrificed to go cover that game. You know, <laughs> I know that's, I'm, I'm going to take care of that. And Ryan Gilbert's going to go with me to make sure I don't, uh, I can I don't get lost. So I can I got find it. Ryan. Yeah. Uh, some, you know, some of those non-conference games that you got to play. Uh, then they play Providence uh, in the tournament down in uh, the, what is the Bahamas this year? Uh, then either Georgia or Miami in the next round, Central Arkansas or Roberts, North Alabama. You, you understand those games. Then they get Villanova coming in. They go to LSU. Then they play Nebraska. They take on Wichita State and Kansas City. And then they have a rather kind of odd January 2nd game with Chicago State, which um, usually that time of year is reserved for for Big 12 hoops, but going to sneak one more in after the new year. And, well, you know, what a way to start the new year. Yeah. Tim, uh, <laughs> Chicago State. I mean, that is going to be a New Year's <laughs> celebration like nobody's ever seen in Manhattan. You know, I expect it to be packed. No, I, I, I think that maybe they learned their lesson from, uh, you know, how, how things opened up last year with football still happening. Maybe they found a way to just to slide that, that conference slate just one, one week further so that way they're not going to run into any uh, – in, in any any conflicts between football season and and the start of Big Twelve play, and, and Brian, I'm going to blame you and your your teammates for the fact about the fact that K State basketball fans don't engage until the end of football. How dare you put such a good product on the field for so many years, starting really in '97 and '98 when you played? So it is your fault. 
that fans don't kind of lock in with basketball until football is done. I get it. I think it'll be changing this year. I think it will. One game I did see on there that that's early on at right after we play USC is Bellarmine. Look, K State will be a lot better than they'll have better athletes than Bellarmine. Uh, the only reason I say that is the heist, the coach is Scotty Davenport. He was a coach against one of my rivals when I was in high school. Uh, it's in Louisville, when my hometown. They're a pretty good team. It'll be an offense that passes the ball 16 times before they shoot. They run and cut and do all those things. Now, K-State should win the game. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying beware of Bellarmine. They're, they're, they'll be better than what people think. Um, but I'll take the blame, though, for, for, for people not locking in. I'll take the blame. You just blame it all on me. I get it. I get it. I'm used to it. I just realized I was going to say, then that's why we call us the insiders, but our, our brand went away. There we go. Oh. We're back. <laughs> um, Glenn, the crowds are going to be magnificent for K-State basketball, won't they? I think they're going to be really, really good. I, I mean, uh, we've talked about it you know, a million times besides on the show, just about the impact that Jerome Tang has made. And, and, his, and, and it's not just Tang, his whole coaching staff yeah. um, in one year. And the, the way the fan base was behind him, after one year, um, Tang wants it to be sold out every single game. I don't know if they'll do that. I, I hope they do. Um, I don't know if they do, but I think it'll be close. I don't think you're going to see, um, you know, these crowds of of six or seven thousand or whatever it was. I don't don't quote me on that. I don't know what that what they were at the low point last year, or the year before. But I, I think it's going to be packed. I think you're, you're certainly going to see a lot more sellouts than we have in a long time. And um, and a lot of that might depend on if they're winning basketball games. I think it'll be packed early. And if they if they compete, you know, and they're in the top half of the Big 12 and they're going to get an NCAA tournament bid, it's going to be it's going to be packed all year long. Next topic, Coach Prime in Colorado. They're now <laughs> 2-0. I feel like this has been – look, when you're trying to rebuild a football program, you need some breaks. You just do. You need some opportunities that present themselves. And going to TCU – for the first game after they lose so much talent um, from the year before was a blessing. Catching Nebraska in game two with a new coach who might be uh, doing the same thing as the more recent coaches up there was a blessing and getting it in Boulder. Brian, if he could script this, this would be what he wrote down. Uh, Win an exciting game on national TV against TCU, then come home and kick the living crap out of Nebraska in front of your home fans. That place is going to be packed all season long. Absolutely. I mean, Colorado has literally hit this thing out of the park. I mean, you talk about a hire that you can get fan generated, just the fan interaction back almost immediately Mm -hmm. just by saying his name. And then they go to the spring game and everything that incorporated that. You know, I saw something the other day, and and it could have been made up, but they said the amount of money that they had generated from just the spring game, merchandising in the offseason, and the first home game with everything incorporated was almost going to make as much as they made last year. And I'm like, if that's what you're doing by hiring this guy, even if they don't win another football game, they're <laughs> right. winning. And right. I got a feeling they're going to win some more football games, as talented as some of those kids are. I just, I mean, this is when people say, well, that was a home run hire. No, no, none of the other ones were home run hires. This is the definition of a home run hire. 
Glenn, you represent three different networks on this show. It's impressive. <laughs> they, they, they all just, uh, they should feature your face, all three of them. <laughs> One of them's Fox, um, and Fox is going back to Colorado for another, what is it, new big game noon, whatever their new big noon kick. I don't even know what their big noon is. kickoff. Is that what it big is? Big noon kickoff. That's what it is. Uh, they went to Fort Worth, they were in Boulder. Now Colorado State's coming to town. They're going to be there. Uh, ESPN's going to be there, too. Uh, come on, Fox, can't you go go somewhere else? <laughs> Look, Joel yeah. Platt's happy no matter what. He's just a happy guy. You don't have to give him his alma mater every week. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Prime is what everybody's talking about right now. I mean, we're talking about it, and, uh, you know, um, and we're a bunch of guys that live in Kansas. So I think, um, he's the, he's the hot topic right now. And I, and I will say this, um, that I, I'll, I'll be surprised if they don't have the number one recruiting class in the country for 2020, maybe too late for 24, 2025 or whatever it is, right. because how many kids are going to see what they're doing? And, and it was, it sounded cool. And then you talked about it and you're, and it was exciting and flashy and fun. And now that they're also backing it up with wins and so i'll be surprised if uh they don't get some more studs uh it i, I could be wrong i mean if they if like brian said if they don't win the rest of the year maybe maybe they don't they don't have the wins to back it up but they'll probably still get some studs because coach prime is um he's becoming a, a household name i guess he already was but uh, it now it's coach prime is is a household mm -hmm. name yeah and and Tim, I, I love this hire when they made it because it showed a recommitment by Colorado that we're gonna we're gonna take football seriously. We we haven't been. Yeah. And and that's kind of been the feeling of the Pac 12 that some schools don't take it seriously. The irony being in their final season as a full-fledged conference, we don't know what the future holds. Um, but they're really good. I think they got eight teams ranked right now, which is a conference record. Oh, the irony. But uh, how important is this for the Big 12, right as Colorado's coming home to this conference, that football seems to be picking up and they could become, they they have the a possibility to become that kind of national brand with Coach Prime at the helm that the conference really needs. Yeah, no, exactly. It's, 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 a, <clears throat> it's flashy. It, 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 as the weeks go on, more and more substance is, is being revealed behind that flash that makes it even more legit. And I mean, if they're, if they're able to keep a hold of them, um, if, 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 you know, if a bigger, whatever doesn't, doesn't come calling after this year, which it seems like from what I've seen from, from their fans, they're really trying to round up as much of their resources as possible to try to get this guy locked in on, on, on a legit contract. Um, it's exactly what you want because look, you're bringing in. I mean, the Arizona schools are good, and 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 I'm sure the Big Twelve is very glad that they got them. But there's nothing super exciting about their addition. <clears throat> Utah, they've been very good, but their brand of, of football and the fact that they're in you know the state of Utah, there's, there's nothing super exciting. So to kind of be able to kind of have Colorado lead the, these four over here. It, it's gonna. I mean, it's gonna make eye. It's going to turn eyes to bit more Big Twelve games next year, and it's going to be. Uh, it's going to. It's going to make next uh, Big Twelve Media Day very interesting. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to go a little bit off topic here. I just what? a thought that I can't get out of my head, and, it, and this is not a knock at either one of them. But have there been two coaches more different than 
Chris Kleiman and Deion Sanders. I mean, they, they have to be like polar opposites, right? I mean, I don't think Kleiman really cares if he, he wants his team to get the recognition they deserve, but he doesn't care if he's in the spotlight. Quite frankly, it seems like he's okay. If they, if they get overlooked, they just want to go win some football games. I mean, the, if any recruits choosing between like Dion and Chris Kleiman, I'd be like, what, what do you really want, man? Because it, it feels like you don't know. <laughs> Pretty different choice. Yeah. Although I, if we, if we start branding him, Coach Cly and get him a gold chain. We're on to something. <laughs> and the cowboy hat. There yeah, we got it. Yeah. I like it. I like well, it's it. weird because, and you're right when you say that, Glenn. It's because Coach Prime. And I don't know. I don't want to say it's ingenious, but he has taken the spotlight. Now he wants to give it to his players, but right. he is saying, "Put all the spotlight on me, okay? Because if they lose a game, guess who everybody's going to blame? They're going to blame him." They're not necessarily going to blame the kids. Now, we haven't seen them lose a game yet, so we don't know. But I don't know. I, I feel like with him doing that, I think there's a method to his madness. I, I really I believe there is a method to his madness because the one thing that you could say about Deion Sanders, whatever you wanted to say, stupid was not one of those things that anybody has ever said about him. So I believe that there is a method to his madness because, like I said, when that first loss comes, they are going to come crashing down, and it will not be on the players. And he's going to stand at that podium, and he's going to fire back at them. And I believe that's what he wants. Whether it works or not, I don't know. Uh, but I think that's his method. Yeah, I, I I was concerned about – I don't want to say concerned about that, but I kind of took issue with that. Uh, when they beat TCU, I was watching the game – and it's, I don't even know if we can blame this on Prime as much as everybody else. And maybe maybe it's us because now we've been talking just about him. But it seemed like it was all about Dion, Dion, Dion. They, yeah. uh, his son threw a touchdown pass, and they said, Dion's kid can play. And they never said the name of the guy who caught the touchdown pass, and they never said the name of his kid. And I'm like, okay, is it if the guy scores six, another guy scores six touchdowns, are they going to say Dion's top recruit scores six touchdowns? Or are they going to say the guy's name? And it, but again, I don't know how much of that is is Dion's fault. It's not like he's, uh, you know, right. the one that says, "Hey, it all needs to come through me." And like you said, hopefully, I would hope that he would handle it the same way. That uh, when they lose, he 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 better accept the spotlight just as he is. Agree. We start yeah. And we started this by talking about scripts and how. You couldn't have scripted out kind of these first three games because Colorado State's real bad, and they should do some real terrible things to them this week. But um, uh, what what probably would not be in the script is the fact that possibly the Pac-12 is having their greatest season in, in God knows how long. They have eight teams that are ranked currently. That's only – I think only the SEC has had that, and I don't, I don't know how – I saw something. I don't know how many years it's been, but uh, it's going to be tough. It's going to it, 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 if if it has been on easy mode for these first three games, we're going to see exactly uh, how legit this team is uh, yeah. here here soon. Because even teams like Washington State are out here kicking the crap out of teams like Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. I I can't wait. I can't wait. Oh, I I agree totally. And I'm so fired up for the big 16 or whatever we're going to call it. Um, (laughs) And Utah got a little dose of what this conference is about. Baylor looks like they're down and out. uh, And they had to go, you know, granted they're on their third string quarterback, I believe, but they had to go to the wire. It's physical brand. I I think they're going to find that more teams play their brand of football in the Big 12 than what they've seen in the Pac-12. And it's going to be difficult. 
But before we wrap this up, we got to talk about the health of the overall conference because, guys, there's some bad teams right now, which hasn't been what the Big 12 is about. I think Oklahoma State's bad. Iowa State's bad. Baylor's bad. I, I mean, they've just got some uncharacteristically uh, – Programs that are struggling right now, all three of those programs have recently been in Big 12 championships, so that's frustrating. On the other end is Texas. Brian, how big was that win for the conference, for Texas? What's it say about Alabama? Just give me your thoughts. Well, the one thing is Texas is really, really good. And as you watch the football game unfold, the thing that I never thought that I would say is Texas whipped Alabama on the line of scrimmage. Just physically whipped them. Absolutely. And their offense and defensive line whipped Alabama's. And I don't care what anybody said. They were after Alabama's quarterback. That offensive line couldn't stop them. They couldn't run the ball. That was another thing. I thought Alabama was going to just line up and run it down their throat. No, they didn't do that. They couldn't do that either. And I think if the game had been in Austin, they may win by 20 points. You know, I just, they were better than Alabama. They were just better. Uh, what it says about the conference, I mean, I've just been that person that always said Texas and Oklahoma is not going there to struggle. They're not going to struggle. Now, we may want them to struggle. That's different. But And I'm also a person that says the SEC has been top-heavy for 15 years. Mm-hmm. It's always two or three good teams. The rest of them, don't ever tell me that Mississippi State and Arkansas and Ole Miss and all those teams are just better than everybody else in everybody's conference. I don't want to hear that nonsense. I, I just don't want to hear it. Um, but at the same time, I, I, Texas is really good. They're going to have to be dealt with. Texas, yeah. from what I saw, Texas is very, very good. Yeah, they look, they look scary good. They were, yeah. You watch that game, and it, first few drives, okay. And it, it, they look like the better team from, from start to finish. They did. Tim, does this present the rest of the conference with a huge opportunity? Texas's value just went through the ceiling. Yeah, I mean – a win a win against texas is would be fantastic but it's 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 gonna be tough i i wonder what what the national perception if it matters if they aren't dealt with if they make it all the way to dallas here at the end of the year win the big 12 title and then leave the conference does that does that damage things? Is that, you know, the whole Brett Yarmark hype train? Does that kind of put a little a, a, a little stop in the I I don't know. I, I agree. It's it's not the it's not great. It's not the situation that you want for Texas to finally have it figured out right when you're trying to get him out right when you're trying to get him out the door. <laughs> and it could go multiple ways. The best case scenario for the Big Twelve probably is now now is that they lose four Big Twelve games. And you say, remember that team that looked so good against Alabama? They they could barely hang in our conference. And then the worst case scenario for the Big 12 is that they win the conference and then they get blown out in the college football playoff. And you say, remember that team that went undefeated in our conference? They just lost to Georgia by 58. Yep. To yeah. me, I think that would be the worst scenario. Even mm-hmm. them winning and going to the playoff and then leaving the conference, I don't think that's near as bad as them going, winning the conference and then just getting boat raced in the first game of the college playoff. I think that because that's been the problem all along is perception of the Big 12, that they can't play and can't compete at the level of these other teams. And as much as people talk about it and as much as people love the Big 10, they don't take the Big 10 as serious as they do the SEC. They just don't. 
because there wasn't near as many people talking about how TCU beat Michigan as there was about TCU getting blown out by Georgia. So it's the perception is what has hurt us in the past. When I said best case scenario, I should have mentioned they lose to KU in Austin. That is best case scenario. Go out with a loss to the Jayhawks. Let's do that. Be pretty funny. Okay. One final thing before we close up shop for the week, Uh, Brian Hanley, I don't, I don't need scores here, but does K-State win at Missouri? Is it a close game, a real nail biter, maybe a comfortable win or a blowout? I think it's comfortable. I think it's comfortable. I, I think this is a game where K-State may even be either tied or maybe down three at the half. Right. Uh, but I think that it's another game where I think our offensive line is, but even though they got some guys on that defensive line, they do, but they had the guys last year too. And we whipped them. And I just think it's a game where we can wear them down. I, I really believe that Missouri is pointing towards this game. I think their off season was built around it. I think everything that they're doing is, based on this football game that they are really, really trying to win. But I think K-State is just better. Number one, we know their coach better. But two, they're just a better football team. I think they come out on top comfortable. Eight, ten points. Tim Everson, your thoughts? I'm I'm in the same place. I I think that it it may look – a lot like what last week looked like, except maybe maybe not as much of a pull away late. Although, I mean, this is a team that has shown, Missouri, that if things go bad, Absolutely. they are not above quitting. <laughs> <laughs> they are not above throwing interceptions on three straight possessions. Absolutely. Um, and that and that kid is still starting still starting games for him. It's a it's a real miracle. Um, but no, I, I think it 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 should be a win. I. I'm I'm in between comfortable and close, but I would lean toward comfortable. Glenn, I'll go a different way here. I think that I I think they're going to sweat this one out, and I uh, I I'm not going to say Kansas State's going to lose the game because uh, I do think they're the better team. Um, but like like I said earlier, it, it makes too much sense for K State to go and win there and win comfortably. Football never makes sense, man. So no. that can't happen. But uh, no, I think I think it's going to be really really uh, a good game, and I think that. Uh, K-State made some mistakes against against uh, in week one against SEMO, and really it didn't matter. They made some mistakes against Troy, and it mattered a little bit. If they make those same mistakes against Missouri, I think that's a team that, even if they're not the better team, they can make them pay for their mistakes. Uh, and I think I think it's going to be a good one on Saturday. And I do agree. I think um, Missouri probably knows that they need this win, whether that's for their coaching staff or for recruiting or for – bragging rights or whatever you want to call it this is one that that they might be more desperate for a win than 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 k-state is frankly yeah i would agree i'll have my score prediction at week's end at go power cat but i think this will be a great game i think k-state's going to win a one score game it's going to be entertaining um and rocks will be thrown at k-state fans <laughs> by by the missouri fans that's that's the one thing i'm confident about it's not at the media I'm, not at the media Oh, we're soft. Don't do that. that. (laughs) Well, that's it for this week's edition of the insiders for the old offensive lineman, the, the newspaper guy and the pretty guy from TV. I'm Fitz and we hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back next week at one 30 with another edition of the insiders.